May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture today is from Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your heavenly parent. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here ends the reading. Well, when I was lighting candles, let me just take a moment of personal privilege. As I look out, uh, it's just been such a good time for me. And uh, glad to be with you here during these few weeks and uh, meet some new folks and such a privilege to work with Nora and David and, uh, and know that you guys are doing great. Uh, I'll be with you a few more weeks. This isn't a, I'm not saying goodbye here, but uh, just let you know that I'm having fun. So please pray with me. Once again, gracious God, we ask that these ancient words of Scripture might become living word in our lives, that we can serve you joyfully and faithfully. Amen. We continue with a sermon series on the holy virtues, the opposite of the seven deadly sins. Today is the virtue of kindness or compassion, which reminds me of a story. Everything at my age reminds me of a story. So Calvin Coolidge, and I was not around when Calvin Coolidge was, just to be clear about that. Calvin Coolidge was known for being taciturn, uh, not a chatterbox. Uh, he and his wife, while he was president, regularly worshipped at the uh, First Congregational Church in Washington, D.C. And Wednesday, Sunday, he went by himself. His wife stayed home. And uh, when he returned home, she said, well, what was the sermon about? And he said, sin. She said, well... What did the pastor say about sin? He's against it. <laughs> so today I'm preaching about kindness. I'm for it. Amen. Let's receive the offering. Okay, don't get your hopes up. I'm paid by the hour. <laughs> All right. Let me begin with a quote from the Dalai Lama. If you want others to be happy, be compassionate. If you want to be happy, be compassionate. We do a good job of teaching our kids in Sunday school and children's time and other ways about being kind like Jesus was kind. Now, of course, Jesus was more than kind. You don't wind up on a cross just for being really kind. Well, that's not quite true. Jesus was kind to women and to sinners, and to people who weren't Jews. And that kindness wound him up on the cross. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus introduces a number of new ideas. He says, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. 
You've heard that it was said, but I say to you. Matthew 5, verse 43, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When I preached here last year sometime, I'm sure you always remember, all remember this story I told, about a parishioner in one of my congregations who made my life miserable. She was just a pain, she was a thorn in my side. <laughs> she was both of those things. Um, and no matter what I proposed, she was against it. Um, it was just, it was like if I said today's Sunday, she'd say, no, it's Tuesday. It's like, come on. And I couldn't figure it out. And, and I didn't like her very much because of that. And this went on for years. Some years after that, I learned more about this woman, that her mother, while she was growing up, was very, very sick, mentally, spiritually sick person, and committed suicide on this woman's birthday when she was a little girl. And during the time that she was persecuting me, things in her home were miserable. And when I learned this, all those feelings of resentment I had to her just disappeared, you know? And I thought, well, better she take it out on me than on her dog or her kids. You know, I'm a big boy. To know the story. We know our own backstory when we misbehave, don't we? Well, I had one drink too many. That's why I said that. Or you, you, you sure heard what he did first. You know, we know our own backstory. In my experience, when people misbehave, there is always a story that helps me have more compassion for them. I warn young pastors about this syndrome. I say, look, when somebody is being hypercritical of you, it might not be you. It might be. I mean, if it is, then apologize, straighten up, fly right. But if you haven't done anything wrong, it's something going on in this person's life. So just try to be gracious. I also warn young pastors, never hold a congregational meeting in March in Minnesota. <laughs> People are crabby. Remember this. And they will take it out on you. It's not you, it's Minnesota in March. Okay. To know the whole story. Second, Jesus commanded us to love our enemies, but he did not command us to like our enemies. As Nora pointed out in Adult Ed last week, in Greek, the original language of our Second Testament, there are seven different Greek words that get translated in English as love, uh, three primarily in the Bible. And this is agapeic love, which doesn't mean it's not eros love, erotic Hollywood-type romantic love. It's agape love, meaning to be for somebody, to wish them the best, to work for their best. 
That's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying you got to be pally-pally. He's saying, be for them. Work for their best welfare. We can do that without liking a person. I remember when I was about to get married, a wise older woman in the congregation said to me, well, Bill, you know that Jesus said to love our enemies, and sometimes our enemy is that person we're married to. <laughs> and uh, that's sometimes true. Not very often, but my wife is smiling at me at the moment. Um, <laughs> you know, there are times in a partnership where it's just hard to live with somebody, isn't it? Chris and I were watching a movie the other night in our uh, next-to-each-other recliners, and in the movie there was a reference to an ADU. You know what that is? Accessory dwelling unit. It's a, it's a separate structure on the same lot, you know, mother-in-law apartments, or a separate whole structure on your lot. And Chris said, I'd like one of those. <laughs> and I was not mad. I totally get it. I thought that might help. <laughs> you know, I think it would help all of us. Years ago, I read about this couple that had houses next to each other. Man, that would solve a lot of issues. But anyhow, <laughs> I love my wife very much in, in every sense of the seven words. For me, this commandment to love our enemies comes into play much more often with people that I don't agree with politically. I tend to dislike them. Jesus commands us to love them and pray for them. There are two prominent political leaders in our country that are on my prayer list. Um, they're actually on, in the list of people with mental illness because I do believe they are wounded and mentally ill. And I pray for their well. I, I don't pray for God to remake them in my image, though that would be lovely. But I pray for God to bless them and to help them know how much God loves them. A few months ago, I started to ask myself three questions before I speak. And I haven't been perfect at it, but I've been pretty good. And the questions are, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? I'm talking about half as much as I used to. <laughs> And again, I'm not doing it perfectly, but it has really helped me to stop and think. Because some months ago, I decided I was going to stop speaking ill of people I disagreed with politically. I'm just going to stop putting them down. And I'm sure it hasn't helped them, but it's helped me to be a better person, a happier person. I wasn't doing anybody any good. Okay. Third, this passage ends, be perfect as your heavenly parent is perfect. You like that? What's your reaction to that? Who boy. <laughs> okay. I have good news for you. Most modern scholars believe 
that that's a bad translation. It, Jesus didn't say, be perfect. He said, be compassionate as your heavenly parent is compassionate. Okay then. Conf compassion I can do. Perfection, not so much. Fourth, Barbara Batten, my co-pastor here years ago, was fond of reminding us that that word compassion in the Greek comes from the same root as the word womb. Isn't that powerful? To be compassionate towards somebody the same way we treat our children. Finally, over the decades of pastoral ministry, I've seen that so many kind and compassionate folks have the hardest time being compassionate toward whom? Themselves. Okay. Themselves. Friends, please be kind to yourself. Maybe you had an upbringing full of shame and blame. Be compassionate to yourself. If you need it, get some help, some therapy to help you see that you are worthy, worthy of love and compassion because you are the cherished child of God. That is the root of all seven heavenly virtues, recognizing we are God's beloved. Live in that love. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.